You are listening to the sermon podcast for Triumph Lutheran Brethren Church. Our vision is to see the life and message of Jesus transform hearts, homes, and cities. Wherever you are, our prayer is that God would meet you and that the life and message of Jesus would transform your life. To find more resources, go to triumphlbc.org. Have you ever been in a public place with a lot of people, okay, maybe something kind of like this, and it's really quiet, and then your phone goes off. Has that ever happened to you? You hear the song play, or you hear the buzzing get louder and louder, and you instinctively start reaching in your purse or in your pocket. You're trying to just get the thing to turn off. You're like, will it stop? You feel everyone is looking at you as you're frantically scrambling around. You just let, let it go away, let it stop. And then you realize that it wasn't your phone going off at all. It was somebody else's. Apparently, somebody else likes the Beethoven's Fifth Symphony just as much as you did. And so you kind of breathe this sigh of relief. Now, for some of you, this is like your worst nightmare. And others of you right now are like instinctively reaching into your pockets and just checking like, oh, okay, is this going to make sure? Is this going to be not going to happen to me? Okay, well. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do, apparently. I'm sorry. Now, for some of you, it's amazing. Like, certain sounds tend to trigger certain feelings or emotions, even memories. For some of you, you might hear a song from high school and you're instantly transported back in time. Others, they warn us of danger, like a fire alarm or a smoke alarm or a police siren, things like that. There are sounds that we love. My personal favorite, the sound of the oven chime going off saying that the chocolate chip cookies are done. That's a good sound. Other sounds we don't enjoy very much, like your alarm going off at 6 a.m. and then 6.10 after you hit snooze. But I would propose that there is one sound that makes the all-time most annoying sounds list, and that would be the dreaded hum of our unofficial state bird, the mosquito. I mean, when you hear a mosquito, your, your mood instantly sours, automatically. When you hear a mosquito, you instinctively start to slap your arm or wave the air around you, hoping to scare them away. When we think about sounds or our ability to hear them, it's no secret that our age has to do very much with how well we hear certain sounds. If you're over a particular age, you know that if you were a young adult and you blasted rock music or were around heavy machinery and didn't wear the proper uh, protection for your ears, you know that there are certain sounds that you can't hear anymore, or at least not in the same way you could when you were younger. Over time and with various experiences, these sounds literally become dead to our ears. For example, if you're over the age of 25, you are no longer to hear frequencies over 17 kilohertz, and that might not mean much to most of you, but ironically enough, those frequencies of sounds are called the mosquito tone. So, if you're tracking, what I'm telling you is that not only as you get older you're going to lose your hearing, but if you're over the age of 25, you're a sitting duck when it comes to a mosquito attack because you will never hear them coming. Today, as we look at God's word from the Gospel of Mark, we're going to hear this topic of hearing come up again. And so far, Mark has detailed in his Gospel a lot of these amazing events that have happened in the life and ministry of Jesus in the early days. Jesus has been traveling around his hometown. He's been healing people. He's been driving out demons. He's been creating quite a stir with the religious leaders. And as the crowds grow 
And as the curiosity surrounding Jesus continues to grow as well, Jesus also spends time teaching the people that are coming to see him. He's telling them about the kingdom of God, and he's doing so in a really unique way. Jesus is using parables, and we looked last week at a particular parable. Parables are these stories that were really practical in nature. They were really relatable to most common people. They were examples from everyday life, and yet the meaning of these parables go way deeper than they initially sounded on the outside. As I said last week, Pastor Jeff walked us through this very famous parable of the sower, which ends up being way more than just an explanation of how to plant your garden. So the words of Jesus come to us again today as he invites us to consider our hearing of what he's telling us, to consider how closely we are paying attention to his words. Do you or I have the ears to hear the truth of his message? We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. We're going to read verses 21 through 25. And if you have your handy-dandy Mark books, which we are using as a guide and a resource as we walk through this series, I'm going to be on page 26. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 21, reading through verse 25, reads like this. And he, that's Jesus, said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, as with the the previous parable of this farmer scattering seed, this parable also starts out pretty straightforward. Jesus is talking about a lamp, the main source of light in those days for when the sun goes down. And he begins by posing this seemingly ridiculous question about the purpose of a lamp. And for his listeners, some of them might have thought that this was kind of a rhetorical question or a rhetorical statement. I mean, who lights a lamp only to hide it under a basket or to put it under a bowl? That would make no sense. Who would do that? Jesus' point exactly. The purpose of the lamp is to be out in the open to shine its light. The purpose of the lamp is to be seen and to help others see. Now, this is where the original language of the Greek really helps in understanding what Jesus is talking about, giving us a little more insight into what Jesus is saying here. In Greek, Jesus uses a direct object in talking about this lamp. So it's not just a lamp, it's the lamp. And so right away, literally translated, Jesus is asking or stating, does the lamp come to be put under a basket or under a bed? Now this should change and alter our view of what Jesus is asking or saying because he's not talking about any ordinary random lamp. He's talking about himself as the lamp. He continues in verse 22, the purpose of this lamp is to not remain hidden but to make things known by giving off its light. The light that comes from the lamp is going to be brought onto the open, even though in the moment it might seem to be secretive. Consider how this mirrors what we've seen so far in Jesus' life in Mark's gospel. We're reminded that as the readers of this gospel, we are given a very privileged, esteemed place to be. Why? Because we already know who Jesus is. Mark tells us. We are told we're in the know from the very beginning. 
of Jesus' true identity. But for the rest of the characters in the story, there's kind of this remaining question of, well, who is this? And when will they learn? And when will they find out or recognize Jesus for who, is tru- for who he truly is? Think about the characters that already do know who Jesus is, that have voiced their opinion on the matter, the ones that do recognize him. So far, the only characters that have acknowledged Jesus as the Son of God to this point have been the demons. As Jesus has traveled around casting out demons, they are the ones that recognize him. And and perhaps you caught this, if you've been reading along, that Jesus tells them to be quiet. He shushes them into silence. He will not let them disclose what they know about him. He has them keep quiet. So, so far, no one really knows or has openly acknowledged who Jesus is, and his identity remains a secret. So let's, let's revisit verse 22 for a second, because when I first read this, this kind of sounds a little confusing. Jesus says, nothing is hidden except to be manifest or to made, be made known. Nothing is secret except to come to light. Again, that sounds a little odd, or, or I would say a little paradoxical. And if you're like me, I had to transport myself back to 10th grade English class for just a second to be reminded that a paradox is something that can seem contradictory or it can seem opposed to common sense, and yet it's something that can be true at the same time. So we think of statements like, you save money by spending it. Okay, I guess that works. Or if I know one thing, it's that I, in fact, know nothing. These seemingly contradictory statements that are opposed to common sense or logic that at the same time have a lot of truth housed in the middle of them. And this perfectly describes what Jesus is saying about himself and what he's saying about the kingdom of God. What Jesus is saying is that the kingdom of God is not what we would expect it to be. Jesus' purpose from the outside or the onset doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Both seem to go against common sense or logic. The kingdom of God seems like a paradox. Think of other things that Jesus has taught. If you want to be first, then be last. If you want to gain, then you first have to lose. If you want to find something, as in our example today, look at what is hidden or in secret. But Jesus' words in verse 22 come to us and they remind us that this present hiddenness is not going to stay a secret for much longer. Now, I don't know about you, but it can be really tough to keep a secret. Maybe you've had this situation come up in your life. You've had a friend or a family member kind of tell you something, like, but you have to promise you can't tell this to anyone else. That's a really tough place to be in. In my opinion, one of the greatest secret-keeping stories that I've ever heard comes from the original Star Wars trilogy. And in the second movie, The Empire Strikes Strikes Back, the main villain of the saga, Darth Vader, he reveals something quite extraordinary to the hero of the story, Luke Skywalker, about what happened to his father. And maybe you recall this. In the middle of an intense battle scene, Luke accuses Vader of killing his father, and Vader responds with the most iconic movie line you could probably imagine. You can say it with me if you want. Vader says, no, I am your father. <gasps> now, I'm not even going to like apologize for a spoiler alert. That movie came out in May of 1980, so you've had time. <laughs> But what people didn't realize was that the original script for that movie did not have that line in the script. 
Vader was supposed to say something else. In fact, everyone was expecting him to say something else. But in a recent article, Mark Hamill, who plays Luke Skywalker, tells of the right before they're going to film this scene, he gets a tap on the shoulder from the director, and the director says, hey, I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to show you something, that two other people on the planet know. And you're number three. And if this secret were to leak, we know who did it. No pressure, right? And so he slips Mark this note, and it opens up, all it says is, I am your father. So he knows the truth. He knows the secret, but he has to keep it inside. He kept that secret for the better part of a year until the cast saw the final cut of the film. Talk about an intense secret. And yet, like most secrets, they become disclosed. There becomes this opportune time to reveal what has been hiding. And this is fitting to how Jesus is describing himself as this seemingly hidden lamp in verses 21 and 22, how his identity might appear to be hidden now, but there's a time coming where things are going to be made fully known. His purpose might seem really secretive right now, but it's not going to stay that way for long. And in just a few short chapters, Jesus is going to reveal his full glory to several of his disciples on the top of a mountain. They're going to see for themselves who this really is. And even later on in the story, he's going to reveal the true purpose of his arrival as he goes to the cross. So now Jesus shifts this conversation. He he puts it in a more personal level. If he is the lamp that's going to be placed in a stand for all to see, well, what are we supposed to do with that information? When the secret is disclosed or when what is hidden is now revealed, then what? Or how about in the meantime, when, when God seems to be hidden, then what do you do? And as in many of his teachings and parables, Jesus offers a clue. It's one statement. Verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Again, this might seem like kind of an odd statement. If anyone has ears. Uh, yep. I got two. Check. But Jesus' statement here is revealing something pretty significant. He's saying that just because you have a pair of ears does not mean you're going to hear what Jesus is saying. Simply because your ears work and they can pick up sound does not mean that you're going to listen to his words. Because the emphasis here is not just on having ears, it's having ears that truly hear. That truly hear what Jesus is saying. This is a statement that Jesus uses often in his teachings to kind of cue us in that there's something more to what is being said. This showed up last week. In the parable of the sower, this is not just the story of a farmer planting his field. If you have the ears to hear, you'll hear the deeper meaning of what Jesus is saying. From today, this is not just a lesson on how to use a lamp or some advice on how to organize the lamps in your living room. There's something further here, and if you have the ears to hear, you will see and hear what Jesus is really saying. Because the reality is that while almost everyone was audibly hearing Jesus, not everyone was hearing Jesus. Now, it's interesting. That struck me as as interesting, maybe to you too. There's definitely this difference between hearing and listening. And I have living, breathing proof that that is true, that there is a difference, because I'm a dad with young kids. And I was in the hospital. I was in the room when they brought in the famous hearing test and they put the nodes in my kids ears and they gave the beep and the doctors looked up at me and they said yep 
I can hear just fine. And lo and behold, a few months later, I started to question the judgment of the doctors because whenever mom or dad would say something, like give a direction on what to do or not to do, they would do the opposite. Like they didn't hear us. Or the numerous times we'd incredulously look at, look at each other like, we, we said that, didn't we? We talked about that. We told you. And they're so confident, my kids are. They're like, no, you, didn't, you never said that. <laughs> so now, whether the doctor was playing a prank on me or the equipment was faulty, I don't know what to think. I'm shocked. But all joking aside, there's definitely a difference between someone hearing and truly hearing. And you don't have to have young kids to know that. I also have living, breathing proof that there's a difference between hearing and listening because I am living, breathing proof that there's a difference in the way that I can struggle hearing and listening to others and how I can definitely struggle to hear and listen to the voice and the words of God. In fact, there are numerous times when I think to myself in my frustrated parent uh, stage of, why aren't you listening to me? I think, okay, this is probably a really good lesson of how I sound or look sometimes when it comes to how well I listen or don't to my heavenly father. So I wonder, how is your hearing this morning? When it comes to hearing God's word, how well do you or I listen? For all of us, there's this challenge or this tension between truly hearing and truly listening. We might hear what's being said. We might hear what God's word is saying, but the response of our lives show that we didn't truly listen. Like it went right over our heads. Or we might hear what God's word is saying about how we should live or what is right or wrong or what is harmful or beneficial to us and we kind of cover our ears. Or we close it, close it off or we just hear the stuff that we want to and then the rest we just let slide away. God's word tells us that our sinful nature, that our human brokenness is hostile to hearing and responding to God. We are naturally hardwired and set against it. Time and time again in scripture, we see examples of God's people disobeying or rebelling against what he has said or not listening to his instructions. I just have a few examples from Jeremiah 17. God observes this of his own people. He said, yet they did not listen or pay attention. They were stiff-necked and would not listen or respond to discipline. Or in Isaiah 42, when the Lord said, you have seen many things, but you pay no attention. Your ears are open, but you do not listen. I wonder how much of that could be said of today, for you or for me, for that matter. Our inclination to hear is no different or any better. The self-centered ways that you or I hear what we only want to hear, the way that sin deafens our ability to hear what God is saying, the ways that our own brokenness and selfishness make us unable to have the ears to hear. So if all of us were to honestly assess and look at our own hearing this morning, I think the reality of what we'd find is that the results aren't very good. So as we hear Jesus' words to us this morning, we recognize that there's both this invitation to hear and receive his message, to know the depth and understand what he's saying to us. If anyone has ears, let them hear. 
But we know that there's not just an emphasis on hearing, that there's an emphasis of responding. Jesus, in verse 24, says, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. So the reality here is is here that there is a responsibility to what you hear. I think think it's interesting. As we think about having the ears to hear or the ability to hear or the ability to listen, if you think about that, that is something that is entirely done outside of our own abilities or control. Maybe you've thought of that. Remember, I'm naturally, you're naturally hardwired to be poor listeners when it comes to the things of God or what he has to say. We aren't always the most responsive or receptive to the things that he tells us. Instead, we're tempted to not listen to the word of God. We're tempted to listen to the lies of this world or the lies of Satan, even this inner voice inside that creates doubt or anxiety within us. Those are the voices and the words that we listen to. Our ability to have ears to hear is pretty limited. But God's ability to open our ears and to fine-tune our hearing, that becomes his specialty. And that's when we realize that hearing or having the ears to hear is really a gift. Having the ears to hear, having ears that are spiritually attuned to what the word of God is saying is not something that you're born with. And it's not something that you gain or lose with age or that you study for years to master. Having ears to truly hear is something that's given to you from the Lord. And this struck me this week in confirmation class here at Triumph. One of the doctrines of the Christian faith that we look at together is the Apostles' Creed. And, and in the third article, which talks specifically about the work of the Holy Spirit, we read these words that reinforce our ability to hear and respond only comes through God initiating that first within us, of giving us the ability to hear and respond. This is what we read. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, and sanctified and preserved me in the true faith. Just as he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and preserves it in union with Jesus Christ in the one true faith, in which Christian church he daily forgives abundantly all my sins and the sins of all believers. And at the last day will raise up me and all the dead and will grant everlasting life to me and all who believe in Christ. This is most certainly true. So the gift of true hearing comes first from recognizing that God first calls to us. He speaks his word. He declares who he is both in creation and in the world around us and in the Bible. And his words cut through the lies that we're tempted to hear, the accusations that the evil one throws our way, the the shame and the guilt and the fear that we all hear and hear. And his words instead whisper hope and grace and freedom. So as we hear and respond to his word, as we do that, as we are given the ears to hear, we actually receive these things and more. In verse 25, Jesus says that the one who has has these ears to hear will be given more. They're going to receive more knowledge. They're going to receive more insight in who Jesus is. They're going to experience the blessing of the grace and truth that he is bringing to us. Because the words that Jesus speak are like nothing else you'll ever hear. One of his best friends, the Apostle Peter, tells him this. 
In the Gospel of John, Peter replies, Lord, to whom else will we go? You have the words of eternal life. Can't find that anywhere else. But God is constantly speaking. He's constantly inviting us to hear. He's constantly inviting us to have our ears tuned in and opened to hear him clearly. So I wonder, as we close today, I wonder, how is your hearing? Do your ears need to be fine-tuned? Do they need to be opened? Or have your ears been opened to fully hear what Jesus is saying as he reveals who he is? Because that's a sound that's worth hearing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word to us is good. It's what we need. It's what gives us hope and life. Lord, we confess that there are many times in our life and in our days that we fail to hear you. Whether that's from the sin in our lives or us putting our hands over our ears. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to fully hear you as you reveal yourself to us all around us and in your word, that we would be able to tap in to the deeper message that you're communicating to us through your Holy Spirit. Thank you for continuing to communicate with us. Thank you for your word to us, the life that it gives us, how it fills us up to overflowing. May it set us free this morning. In your name I pray, amen. Hey, I'm Pastor Doug. I just want to take a minute and to say thank you for downloading or streaming this content today. We at Triumph pray that it will transform your heart and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. I have three quick thoughts that I just want to share with you, and it'll, it'll only take a minute. First, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd be willing, visit our website at triumphlbc.org connect and let us know how we can reach out to you. Or you can visit triumphlbc.org slash events to find an activity that you can jump into. Second, we hope that you see this content as supplementary in your walk with Jesus. Our, our digital content isn't really designed to be a replacement for belonging and engaging with a gospel community, whether that's here at Triumph or another church. And third, we invest a lot into producing this content and It's used to bless people like you and others all over our community. If this or really any of our other resources that you find online have been a blessing to you, would you consider giving? It's because of your generosity that we're able to continue creating and serving online. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless you.